0: And so the, 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 when you're teaching people how to love each other, one of the things you're always monitoring is, are they connected, essentially attached? And when people are distressed, the first thing that happens, if you're observing it, is even though they're arguing, they're looking at each other, they're heated, they're disconnected. The psychological, the self-reflection and empathy circuits are cut. And it's fascinating seeing that happen. Yeah. And when people protest and go deeper, or they take off in disgust, those are strategies that are unconsciously invoking to try to get connected again, very much like an infant protests or dissociates.
1: Oh, for heaven's sakes. Well, that, it, you know, it, it's funny. It feels like that hits me in a whole new, fresh way, as you say it this time. And well, I'm not sure that um, some of that is not the fact that I've been reading Rupert Sheldrake. Yes, <laughs> You know, which is the topic of our talk today. And it's, um, you know, uh, one of my listeners, John Bartlett, uh, suggested that I check him out. I've heard his name for years, but I never really read or looked into Sheldrake very much. Uh And what I love is that he is explaining, and, and from a scientific point of view, and he's a scientist, he's Cambridge and Harvard and all kinds of accolades and that sort of thing, but he's, Uh, non-materialist yeah and and so his thesis is that mind is bigger than brain we're not contained by this meat there are morphic fields uh which i've used that term but uh to have him explain it in is it's just so rich and makes me feel like there's just like what you were just talking about attachment that there's just actually a that liquid space i often think of it between us that is real and the realer it gets the
0: better you know yeah. what i mean and we have attractor states probably so what's a morphic field it's it's not energetic it's it's form it's it's a form which in if in in the morphic field which is a within and around whoever it is that are they're doing it inside yourself or with us where we're drawn to certain states with each other or with ourselves. That's the attractor state. And and if we can't go one way, we'll find another way. And that's what Waddington called Sherrods, you know, those channels to the attractor state. And the fascinating thing to me around that is there there are healthy and unhealthy attractor states. You know, I've been talking forever about defensive states. Well, they protected us. They were healthy when we were five or three or four or five or six or seven. They're not now, but they're still there. Right. And couples who have a history together will have attractor states that they enter of distress that they practiced a lot. There's a field there with an attractor state. And they're trying that while, it, as they're trying to love each other, they're also trying to get to that place of being pissed off at each other and be disconnected. And it's totally confusing. Um, and so it, understanding that in psychotherapy helps because what you're doing is kind of a chiropractic adjustment you're creating a a new intersubjective state a new morphic field of you know if it's an individual this is you thriving i believe it i see it i feel it now you're feeling it and seeing it with me we're co-creating that and we strengthen it during the session and then hopefully you strengthen it at home That's still not as deep a gravity well, so to speak, as I'm worthless and, you know, I deserve, you know, nothing. Right. But the more you practice it, the deeper it gets. And at a certain point, once it's a thing, once you can actually get into I'm a worthwhile person, you can create ceremonies of transition from the negative attractors, the destructive ones, to the positive ones. And that essentially is almost every trauma treatment there is, are those ceremonies of transition. From a negative, disconnected state, disconnected from ourselves or other people, to a positive connected state. And if we practice those, then our unconscious, our shadow self, uh, will start doing it for us. Yeah. And you know that that unconscious development that that's where I slightly disagree with, with Chad in terms of my understanding of shadow, but not that much. I mean, I, yeah. my my understanding is really broad, and you know, Ken disagrees with me, so Chad
1: agrees more with Well, you know, we're all just sort of working our way forward here, that's but right. but one of the things that I'm stuck on that you said is that this is not at least all or necessarily energetic, that there is actually I'm I'm thinking an upper left component quadrant wise. Yeah. It's just our interior state, non-material reality. Yeah, yeah. So let that sink in because that's what it is, and these are these states. And they don't have any known material quality. But they are active between us. They're active with groups of people. They're active over history. They're somehow built into the cosmos in an interior, you know, way. Um, And that's just mind-blowing to me. I kind of have known that, but it feels like I'm getting a new, deeper transmission of it.
0: That's exactly my experience. It's radical subjectivity.
1: Yeah, radical so subjectivity.
0: The, the, the radical subjectivity of the universe. Um, you know, he called it panpsychism. That that happened before the Enlightenment. Everybody assumed that everything had spirit. And then no. you got dual materialism, where there's soul that has no material connections whatsoever, and everything else is material. It never made sense to the philosophers. and When scientists grew to it, it was very much like the Dark Ages. If you meditated forever and went, oh, I am God. We're all God. And then you got burned at the stake. If you're a scientist or a physicist or a chemist or like Sheldrake, you get to the point, wow, there's a radical subjectivity in everything. And then the scientific community organizes to go, no, no, you're full of shit. Um, yeah. The, yeah. The most interesting example of that with with, with Sheldrake, two of them, were one, having his TED Talk band. Yeah. And, and two, Dworkin, Dawkins, Mr. Selfish Gene, had a debate with him, and Sheldrake showed up to the debate and had sent Dawkins papers that had research about morphic, morphic, morphic fields and, and morphic and morphic resonance. Okay, and so he said, "Well, have you read the stuff I sent you?" And Dawkins said, "No, you're just on my show for me to disagree with you." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I would be so embarrassed. Yeah, to see Dawkins saying. Oh, you sent me your material, and I didn't read it? Because yeah. Well, it turns
1: p- out that the Sheldrake is, a, he's a culture warrior, actually. He God sure bless is. him. Uh, but he's in the game against this, you know, what he considers to be reflexive skepticism. Yeah. On the part of the media and the part of the scientific establishment in general. And I think that's true. And, you know, one of the other things he helps me to see, which is, again, something I know, and that is that rationality and, um, you know, the the modern worldview is a worldview. It's not reality, and then we can talk about everything else and sort that all out in terms of that, of of the worldview of materialism. Uh, But so what it helps me to see is that materialism, uh, God bless it in a way, oh, look what yeah. it's done for us. You know? And I can see how humanity sort of always has to overshoot the target. And, but as you said, we go from, and as Ken said, we go from a world pre-modern where God is everywhere, saturating everything, including us and the devil too. Right. And then we go to a world where God is nowhere. And it's just as, um, you know, the political correctness there is just as strong as it is anywhere else. Uh, as, and and, and is, I think I've said this before, but if you, want to fi- if you want to find out what materialist totalitarianism is, it's just everywhere. Go into your next business meeting and argue for your idea because God spoke to you in a burning
0: bush. Yeah, oh yeah,
1: you know, there you go. And, yeah, and the longer you hold on to that story, the less you're gonna be holding on to your job. And that's just, you know, but that would have been a persuasive argument for most of human history, you know, some version of that. And Sorry. what I love about, you know, or, you know, what seems so thin to me about the, the materialism conquering everything or colonizing everything is that how it just throws out human history. You know, it's know. just
0: a delusion, you know, what? <laughs> yeah, not not to mention everybody's personal experience. Yes, well, That's too. He talks to scientists off, you know, out of the conference. You know, I had the same experience with um, this exact experience with Alan Shore. you know, famous neuroscience. He and I were in an elevator. I started talking to him about morphic fields. This was about 10 years ago. And he said, oh, yeah, that makes really good sense to me. But I've listened to dozens of lectures by him, never mentioned anything like it from the stage. Why? Re- realistically, um, he would be attacked. Yeah. Um, and he's an avant-garde guy. He's, he's one of the b- big biggest proponents in, of, of psychoanalysts, neuroscientists of attachment theory, going back to what you said. You know, it really supports um, the, the idea that there's this vast unconscious that... that you know, that I call the, 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 collect, the adaptive unconscious shadow of which now there's a layer of self-awareness and then In that layer of self-awareness, we have the human superpowers of focused intent and action and, and In service of principle and, and resolve we can we can actually direct our own connection our own attention We can direct the formation of our own morphic fields. We can create alternative morphic fields that become more powerful but then obviously we're part of something larger some other energetic forms and what he says in morphic resonance he said at every level the whole is greater than the sum of the parts of whole you know and he talks about wholearchy just like Ken and that the levels keep on going all the way up all the way down Um, and nowhere is that more interesting to me in his book than in with physics because what we've been finding out with physics is everybody thinks well electromagnetic Magnetism, gravity are the bottom line. Well, apparently not. The Higgs boson means that in inertia, inertia is created by some kind of field, the Higgs boson field. He actually, uh, a lot of physicists say there's a quintessence field out of which dark matter and dark energy arises. So apparently, there's included transcend energetic experiences of fields in the universe. Um, most of which we really, in terms of quantity, most of which we really don't understand, but we know they exist. You know, 73% of the universe is dark energy and 23% dark matter. And as the universe expands, there's more dark energy and dark matter because dark energy is equally distributed. Okay, that goes against the second law of thermodynamics. So local physics now changes on a cosmic level. And this gets back to this whole thing about the laws of physics aren't fixed. They're ha- and this is what Ken says. They're habits. And I think Ken he had a similar awakening that Ken did. It blew his mind. Reorganized his understanding of the universe. He had a system that he could apply to all these questions that he's raised. And, and we're had-
1: talking about Rupert Sheldrake had. Uh, 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 we're also talking about Ken Wilber. Yeah.
0: yeah. So keep going. But they had similar awakenings that then guided gave them a mission where the rest of their their careers you see both of them doing the same thing ken explaining the universe and exploring the universe through the integral um uh, epistemology the the meta theory sheldrake um explaining the universe and exploring it through the concept of of morphic resonance and morphic fields um both both of them very very similar of course yep but And and both
1: are mystics. Both mystics. You know, know, I was looking at Sheldrake's uh, website. His new book is all about, you know, spiritual. You know, again, I'm just scratching the surface with this guy. But uh, you could see, you know, just the problem. I mean, I guess modernity had to wring all of the spiritual horseshit out of the system.
0: You she know, is nobody. Like a rag.
1: Yeah, and nobody can make claims without evidence, and extraordinary claims need extraordinary evidence. And I get that, uh, and I thank God for that. But it's time to broaden here, and you know, Sheldrake claims to have evidence that is just rejected by the the, the skeptics. And again, he's in the game as a culture warrior in a way I don't feel called to. But, um, you know, I, I do, I've always argued for what Sheldrake's talking about more from a spiritual perspective. It's yeah, like... Yeah, it
0: you to, and psychotherapy,
1: too. Yeah, exactly. It's just that, you know, there's a spiritual tradition. I've experienced it. it. I always had the sort of Carl Jung thing that I don't believe in God, I know God. Yeah. You know, I didn't always. I went through my militant atheist phase, too. But, you know, at some point you just get it or you don't, and then it just, and it, 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 it getting it just illuminates your life so much. It yeah. just brings so much clarity and, and, and life force to your life that you wouldn't give it away, you can't be talked out of it. And which is why when I read, I just read Sam Harris's Free Will and oh yeah yeah it just sucks all the life out of the
0: cosmos i mean I know, i'm I, sorry I you really have a problem with it and I mean, no offense i mean he's contributing and he's teaching i, I love he's him and i you know one thing I, I like about teaching in brazil is i speak f- from god all the time and they love it you know everybody has their own felt experience you know we go there the other world is something everybody is comfortable with we do other world experiences they're fine with it when I talk about feeling God's pleasure when I'm doing the work, everybody knows what I'm... There's no... <laughs> it, it's just a very different, very more... psycho Psychotherapy in Brazil has no problem with the spiritual stuff. And so I'm kind of a natural fit for... for. I, I can see why they like my stuff so much. Yeah. You know, we're kind of... Yeah. I'm a natural fit over there. Yeah. Well, I think that's
1: arising... And I think there's a challenge to materialism that is really gaining a lot of force, even in the mainstream culture. Uh, and I, I'm happy to, you know, Integral's at the forefront of that.
0: Uh, yeah, you know, as it has the been.
1: The idea, idea of, you know, there's an interior two quadrants that are as part of reality that materialism misses.
0: Right. So, so what, Hold on for a second. Okay. Somebody's doing a, a construction
1: project. Well, how dare they?
0: I apologize, Jeff. You'll have to edit this out. <laughs> All good. You know, and that's—it's funny when when Ken is dis—is dismissed sometimes in critiques. It's because he's, he's he has too much of a spiritual orientation, and I think one of the things that happens is Ken talks a lot about spirit because that's what's been underemphasized. In yeah. The world. Yeah. And you know, and talks about the intersubjective influencing us. Uh, you know, the, the, the whole concept of, of every social holon is larger than the sum of its parts and is guided by a morphic field that has attractor states and desires to go to those attractor states. Um, it, there is a black woman, I forget her name, uh, uh, who went to a Trump rally, and she reported on it. And I found it utterly fascinating what she said. She said, first of all, everybody went out of their way to be nice to her. I mean, really nice. We're not racist. Second of all, it wasn't poor people. That, you know, it was a lot of people with good cars. You know, she looked in the parking lot and says, well, there's a lot, not a, a lot of new trucks and SUVs here. Thirdly, she said, they really helped Trump talk. That, that he would be kind of faltering and somebody in the audience would say, lock her up and he'd start talking about Hillary. And somebody else <laughs> would say, you know, the border wall and he'd start talking about the border wall. That they were there basically reassuring themselves, we're nice amber people, and we really understand what other people don't understand, that we're being threatened, and that, and that the progressives don't really get us, they despise us, and they don't realize we're being threatened. And it reminded me what my conformist uh, uh, cousin once said, he said, when I, was, when I was talking to him about something and I was too persuasive, he said, I understand us now, Keith. I said, oh, really? He said, I'm a realist, and you're an idealist. And I thought, okay, that's how you can effectively dismiss any data that, that comes from me. And that comes from what Bina and, and uh, Suzanne, uh, Bina Sharma and Suzanne Kukruder, call the 3.5 level of development. The level right between three and four, where you think you're a scientist, but you have such confirmation bias that you're using your intelligence to block new data. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where pathological orange shows up. And, is, and also becomes gullible orange. Yeah, and, yeah. And I think there's fields associated with that that are accessed by the, the groups and by leaders in the group, depending yeah. upon what they're, they're promoting. Well,
1: you know, I think we've just witnessed a uh, stunning example of a morphic field happening in real time, which was uh, Joe Biden after South Carolina.
0: I was thinking the same thing when I was listening to you and Terry and uh, and Diane talk. I was thinking, that just happened overnight.
1: No, there was an organization of the mind of the people who vote, the Democratic primary, however you want to define them, that uh, where it all just made sense. It was all came clear. It's the thing to do. And not only did that happen, it happened in spades. Yeah. You know,
0: you know, you know it's so non- that's,
1: you know, th- th- this helps explain that because there's there's a field and it's not energetic. It may also it, it also is energetic. Yeah, but it's also state, you know,
0: it's a, it's a form, you know, the the way that, that non-material forms. form, yeah. It's a non-material form that influences um, uh, quantum field and electromagnetic fields, the form. You know, it's very similar. You know, there's that famous speech speech from Roosevelt. You know, the only thing we have is fear itself. You know, Colbert is always parodying.
1: The only only thing we have to fear is fear itself.
0: Fear itself. Okay, so right after World War II, and now right after Pearl Harbor, there was a coalescence of 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 an isolationist America at that point to, we got to do something about all this. And there was a sudden change. And I, I have a feeling that a lot of people, when Biden showed a little bit, they went, okay, we really feel this is progressives now. We feel uh, an existential threat. And now the field formed and we got yeah. our I, I think Biden is going to go through for that reason.
1: I'm so. keeping my fingers crossed behind <laughs> my back and toes. But yes, go, Joe, go. go. I'm, all, I'm all in.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> I know God. I know well, you know, we got to go with the guy we got here, and it looks like that, and I yeah, think part yeah. of it was that the the sort of again, it's this psychic morphic field of it's inevitable for Bernie,
0: yeah.
1: you know that was just came double digitly, there's insurmountable, and there's so it's just interesting to watch and watch how quickly this happens, particularly now in an interconnected world where we have the lower right quadrants we have the technology of everybody has a megaphone Mm -hmm. and how that works and that it's just fascinating to see evolution happening in real time here
0: well and also our human need to be resonated with yes you know like you you and i as we talk okay so say 10 people listen to this and go wow that's pretty cool and i'd find out and go wow i'm glad 10 people listened and it was pretty cool but say 10,000 people listen and go it's cool. I go wow that's to me that's more cool than 10. Yeah. You know, that that I have a human need to have that particular field that has a certain kind of of ambient a certain kind of upper left and lower left luminance to it. I have a real need to be resonated with with other people. And 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 actually this is what brought a lot of people to Integral, a real fear that there isn't anybody resonating with me out there. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And yeah. so we find people that are resonating with us, wham, you know, first of all, we, we, we're reassured, second of all, we're contributing to, the, to that field, and that's what they, in that morphic fields, we're influenced by them, but we're contributing to them yeah. every second. Yeah, yeah, and we can see
1: the increased power as the field continues to evolve, mm-hmm. and here I would argue for, you know, the emergence of integral consciousness, it's, it's, uh, I think it's happening, you know, well, here's an example. Pete Buttigieg. Pete Pete Buttigieg, who's the, you know, gay mayor of a town of 100,000 in the Midwest.
0: Also the white Obama.
1: Yeah, well, exactly. And then Obama, too. So, you know, I think we can both agree that these guys are functionally integral, you know, in really important ways. It's astonishing how the culture just drank them up. I love that. and continues to, t- Obama's two-term president, uh, Pete Buttigieg is a major national political figure just by being in some interviews and making integral sense, you know, that's, harmonizing, uh, multi-perspectival, head and heart, you know, f- heart, heart. F- friendly to reality. It's uh, not that hard.
0: I, I loved what he said about what he'd do about the Senate. I mean, I never heard anybody say that before. What th- remind me. He said, they said, well, what do you do if, you know, Mitch McConnell is still stopping anything from happening in the Senate? He'd say, well, I'm the president. I'm going to go to the senators who are the Republican senators that are blocking. And I'm going to have a rally in their, in their state. Or in their, and I'm going to go out and campaign like crazy to find really good candidates to run against them. And then campaign my brains out to get those candidates elected. I've never heard anyone say that before, running for president. That's what they would do about the divided government. Yeah, He actually has something that would have an impact, and that would have an impact. Yeah, well, it's actually the
1: uh, conscious, uh, evolved use of red. You go out there and exercise power.
0: Well, as we know, red, red and amber don't listen to you unless you provide external constraint First, that's yeah. the nature. You know, yeah. the, the morphic fields it's a little confusing to me. That that there are there are fields of morphic resonance that are destructive fields, and I think the way that it works is is you can't you have to objectify other people to do it. Okay, I think that when you have a morphic field with other people, it has to feel, you know. It, I, I wrote a book once that, got, that I, I never published called uh, um, Mindful Manifestation. You know, yearn, discern, and act to create everyday miracles. It was about manifestation systems. Because all the manifestation systems had the same steps. I thought, well, I'll, I'll write a book about it. So I you know, wrote the book. And, and, and anyway, one of those things was you had to have an elevated affect. And this is what some of the trauma people say these days, too. Uh, Pierre Genet said that about, about uh, trauma originally, you know, you, people haven't finished the trauma to a state of triumph. Uh, Don Wood says, uh, or uh, B- Joe Dispenza says, you have a vision of what you want with an elevated affect. How do people have elevated affects when they're destructive fields? They, they objectify other people, that's how they do it. So we're all good people, there's these objects on the other side that threaten us, we have to push against those objects or attack those objects. They're not people, they're objects. right? And I think that's how you can maintain the integrity of that view. Um, now, if you're someone who's, who's green or teal, you see that objectification, and you have a moral reaction to it. And
1: I think you do a teal. And I'm not so sure about green, uh, oh. Keith. I mean, with, I mean with, uh, if my progressive friends demonize the right. So they're objectifying way, the right. Absolutely. I mean, but that's built in in first tier Uh, and, um, you know, there's the one thing I would sort of counter a little bit is that the idea of a destructive force changes. I mean, every, it's like what your friend who went to the Trump rally noticed is that these people actually want to be seen and to to be good, not as a ruse because they actually are good by their own lights. Yeah,
0: they're and, not Machiavellian. Trump's yeah, Machiavellian, yeah,
1: not. yeah. Trump's red. These guys are amber, blue, whatever. Tr- yeah. Traditional. So uh, so and and destruction also is a just a necessary creative force in evolution that, you know, if you're the one being destroyed, it ain't so great. But I would actually argue that part of the resid- uh, morphic field after Obama particularly was like, okay, enough perspective taking already. It's like Chuck right. at about six o'clock in the evening. He's like, okay, I've had enough perspectives <laughs> for the day, you know? Good and for Chuck. <laughs> That's so that is just healthy
0: a, intimacy right there. Setting yeah, a bounty for, for your fiveness. You know, I Jeff, know. I've had enough fiveness. Let's just, you know, watch TV and eat popcorn. You know, exactly have a good time. Okay, yeah.
1: please. Yeah, just exactly. And I think there's something, well, well, it's a little different, but the just the, um, you know, reaction to that with Trump and that there's actually, when history, when inter, integral history is written about Trump, we'll notice that he's red and he's egocentric and he's all of the authoritarian and all those things, but we'll also see that there was a healthy countering of the globalism, just that the mindset of orange and multi, multicultural totalitarianism on in green that uh, was healthy in what was necessary to move us into integral, not that we 're not taking the best of both of those all, actually all three of them forward yeah but um, that it 's not just the, the right you know they fight differently there's they have a less complex you know mental structure, but i don 't know if anyway what, what do you think
0: well, first of all, I agree, second of all, I think the evidence of it is in the lack of actual physical violence in the world yeah i mean and in,
1: and in this country and in you compare country. you compare this culture war with the one we had in the 60s and a lot less a lot fewer dead bodies
0: yeah and compare that with the ones but you know oh, as we go back in history please. there's more and more dead bodies okay yeah. less and less dead bodies yeah and so and so there are there's a morphic field of non-violence now that kind of that kind of is around the globe, and even the people that do violence do it in a very limited fashion. I mean, Russia's allowing itself to really be be contained at at Ukraine. They're not really pushing that. I know, I and know, I it's true. A, I think that's a field, a, a human field of, we're, we're really seeing people as more valuable. We don't want, we that it, it means something to kill a human being. Yeah. We don't want to send armies. Yeah. And, I, and so I think that's the evidence of what you're describing.
1: Yeah, yeah. And, and part of it is the, a skin arising around the globe, and really all countries, even the less developed countries, of modern people, a modern group of people who uh, get it and who want to be part of the world systems, and, and of course the internet and all of that stuff. Uh, and that is, again, it's like materialism as a worldview. It thinks that it's the only thing and there's a whole culture of people who are still ethnocentric and actually pre-modern. Oh, yeah. They're pre-rational in their hearts. I mean, they, they want to believe a big myth about their people and themselves. And they do, actually. They do believe that. And they, they're not going to go gently into that good night.
0: Well, you know, Sheldrake's point is that a, a whole bunch of people... Who I self-identify as pure rational, are doing exactly the same thing. Um, that these ten things that he mentions about that people just accept, like the laws of nature are immutable. Oh, really? So the speed of light changed by twenty meters a second, twenty kilometers a second in the fifties, and gravity changed one point five percent. Well, I guess it's not immutable. I guess there's something weird going on. Um, there's no evidence that that we can find specific memories in the brain, lots of evidence that there's fields, transtemporal fields, that that are accessed through switching centers in our brain, and that we change those fields when we change memories. Because a lot of evidence about changing memories. Almost all trauma work involves um, reactivating memories in a felt way, and then reconsolidating them in a way that's more integrated. I mean, the,
1: and you think that's happening outside the brain and body of the person being treated?
0: I think that there's that there's a credible case being made by Sheldrake for an alternative explanation, since we can't find a place in the brain where there are specific memories. We can find places in the brain that are associated with different sense organs. We can find places in the brain associated with trauma. Can't find a place in the brain associated with specific Memories. Memories, and also there's a lot of evidence that perception is 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 bidirectional. Um, Sheldrick did a lot of research with this. People know when they're being stared at, so that means that when you're looking at something, you're not just receiving; you're projecting. What are you projecting? Okay. What is that? I mean, what energy is that? Why can we rely on again and again and again? They did it with closed circuit TV. Fifty-five percent of the time, people knew when they were being stared at. That is that is way statistically significant. That's one in a million statistically significant. That's not like the five percent level. So there's there are things happening that we don't understand that suggest energetic relationships between consciousness that that consciousness knows consciousness and feels it.
1: Yeah.
0: and that and that we affect what we what we perceive animals feel it when we look at them. Yeah. Well I love that he he wrote a book on animals. Yeah. Uh, dogs that know when your masters are coming home.
1: Dogs that know when their masters are coming home. Yes. And uh you know every dog owner has that experience of, you know, when it's Chuck, they're act different way before he gets here. Way and
0: they don't know when he's gonna get there. Yeah,
1: is. no, it's it's really an amazing thing. And what um what I love about it is um that you know when we think of integral consciousness as being taking the best of the p- previous six memes or however, however you want to slice and dice it yeah there's actually in the animal nature this liquid space mm-hmm. is just really evident because there's not a lot of layers laid on top of it And so this telepathy that we seem to have with animals and that they have with each other in which he uh, expounds on at length, uh, homing pigeons, animals lactating when their uh, offspring are in trouble a mile away. Yeah. This kind of, mother's doing that. Uh, That, um, you know, it just, again, it, it, it enchants
0: the world. He sees evolution as the interplay between habits and creativity, and so he sees animals as surrendered, essentially, to habits with, with some consciousness, some with some software consciousness, and some animals actually recognize themselves in the mirror. You know, the higher order ones, the ones with the with the, um, the von Economo uh, neurons, the big spindle cell neurons. Um, Interesting, and and of course. <laughs> uh, it, Given that, that's not just, a, a per, there's just lots of evidence. That's not just genes. That's some kind of energetic memory that he believes is transtemporal, and there's evidence about it. And, and that when we have an, a, a desire to, and this is one of his things, you know, like people say evolution isn't directional. Apparently, that's not accurate according to every evidence that we've seen. When people are directing their own evolution, they direct it towards deeper consciousness and more compassion. It, there, it's, you, all the developmental lines converge as you ascend them. Mm-hmm. Suggesting there's an attractor state, probably, of I suspect, of pure unity. Yeah. And that yeah. from pure, the way you get to pure unity is more compassion and deeper consciousness. And the more we go there, the stronger that state is. Because so many people over the years, over human history, have, have gone there with such joy. Yes. Such triumph. Yeah. such love, there's a field that's, that's drawing us. Absolutely. And, and every seeker knows this. Yes. Every seeker knows. I'm being drawn yes. by something. What is, The omega yes. point, you know, that yes. Heart talked about. Yes. I felt it in his heart. Yes.
1: Yes. I always love the Bible verse that for every step you take towards God, he takes 77 towards you.
0: <laughs> I wonder where they got that number. Yeah. I don't know.
1: <laughs> and I think I'm probably misquoting it, but it's something like that. And no, whatever. I, I, get, I catch the drift. Yeah. yeah that the no that the that the cosmos responds to our seeking. It responds to our love. It responds to for you know to, to the feeling of being loved and seen. Which is you, you know precious in this whole
0: system. So in psychotherapy, if you do factor analysis, fifteen percent of the benefit is placebo. Well, placebo is just a word. Nobody nobody has ever explained it. But maybe what placebo is, is that people are creating fields of health by taking their pill or by talking to someone who loves them or cares about them, wants to understand them. And then that field then is, is creating a new attractor state that they start growing towards that is actually connecting with other people that are healthy in that fashion. And that's who we want to identify with. I don't want to identify with the people that are miserable and you know, heading towards suicide. Right. I want to identify with the people that are happy and, and heading towards a fulfilling, joyful, connected life. Well, as I do that, the more, the closer I go, that's a form of God right there. Closer I go the more, I'm being drawn by that field. Yeah. The more I feel like I participate in that field. And after a while I identify with that field. So when I go speaking of self and other, when I go back to, to depression and the, and the suicide, it doesn't feel like me anymore. It feels. Yeah. Oh no! I'm depression going to suicide. That's when, at that point, where you you can psychotherapy can give you a bridge. Well, I need to get back to, you know, fulfillment going towards more love, and here's the bridge. You you do the visualization. You do the contemplative practice mm-hmm. connection yeah. with another person. Yes, and, and it, mom- you know and it,
1: the morphogenic field helps us to realize how these practices are real. Yeah, and that thoughts are things. And that liberation is, you know, a real thing. And uh, it's not just some, you know, like, I I haven't read this, but I'm I'm about to listen to it. Sam Harris's book on waking up. I'm just afraid he's going to disenchant the process of, of spiritual practice, but we'll
0: see. Well, partly I have a problem that my book on integral psychotherapy is called Waking Up. So, you know, I'm bummed that, you know, he took my title, you know. It's like, come on. (laughs)
1: Of
0: course, there's a lot of books called Waking Up. So, yeah, I suppose so. I haven't read it yet. I I think that you kind of have to tie yourself in knots when you want to avoid data. Well, when you
1: want want to avoid consciousness as, um, you know, just an illusion, a delusion, delusion, an epiphenomena. You know, what a
0: waste. Jesus. There's so much data to the contrary. It's like Dawkins not reading those papers from children. You know, one thing that the integral does for us is it creates a radical openness. And the radical openness isn't just means we receive everything. The radical openness is we notice things like me getting irritated at Sam for using the same title as my book. (laughs) And then, and I know when I do that 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 I'm more likely to be dismissive because I have that little competitive thing. that these days that makes me more likely to check out "Waking Up" and his book and read it, yeah. because I know that resistance is is Keith's ego resisting new data for egoic reasons.
1: I know. I mean it's the sort of the booby prize when you really <laughs> think it through. Of course you know. Holding on to, you know, one of my therapists used to say, "Holding on to my precious turd."
0: <laughs> it's mine.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. It forever. Yeah, but no, you and and uh, actually, this kind of resistance and having a reaction is a sign to look closer, not to, you know, exactly uh, defend. And uh, it's not always easy, and I don't always do it, but at least I know that that's the way to go.
0: Well, I think one of the things that integral psychotherapy does, is the understanding that, that development and seeking and everything is a lifelong process of personal evolution. I was talking to a guy he's, uh, you know, a famous teacher in this area and uh, about, about something that he was dealing with, some personal thing where he was kind of resisting going to the next level. And I said, in this, in this era, in this age, you can't be a teacher who coasts you can't be like a trump who says my my teaching is so great that i can rationalize you know me you know screwing up in other areas or 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 a maharishi or you know like uh uh uh, you know uh uh, you know those guys okay Mm -hmm. okay you get you in previous ages in human history you could do that okay and the people who didn't ramana or harshi and stuff were extraordinary and people thought well they're just different types of people it wasn't that they were different types of people is that they, there's a consciousness now of doesn't matter how great my transmission is. I personally have a growth edge. And, yeah. and, and if I don't attend to my growth edge, my students might not suffer. My clients might not suffer. They might not feel it, but I'll suffer. And so if I want to be an in integrity, I have to commit myself to that. And that means I have to deal with whatever's uncomfortable now. Uh-huh. And and if I don't, I can feel myself being a hypocrite. I can yeah. feel myself diminishing, contracting, diminishing. and slowing
1: down. And you know, you realize that enlightenment—I still have to wrap my head around this—but enlightenment's a verb. Yeah, it, it's not a noun. It's not a state. It's the process of continuing to become a, the next Jeff,
0: who Which is a wants
1: to come online. And I'm sure, as a psychotherapist, what? How helpful is that? To know that there's this next person wants to come online, sitting you know, in front of you, and that they're, so and that's happening under its own power.
0: It's so helpful. It's, you know, I've always, I've always visualized people doing well. That was, that's always been, you know, therapists are guides. So they and and but also, you know, they're like car mechanics. I mean, I, <laughs> that, that was one of the things that I really liked when you were talking, <laughs> when you were talking earlier with Chad. There are multiple functions that we do. Okay. So, so, you know, if I'm, if I'm dealing with someone's trauma, I'm kind of being partly, partly a guide, but also partly a karmacan. You know, I'm reorganizing, you know, neurological things, physiological things. Um, the idea that I'm also accessing and, and co-creating morphic fields, and these are not just morphic fields for this person and me. There are morphic fields of people happy and thriving and joyful and growing forever, Oh. That we access the more that we surrender to them, and then they help us. They contribute to us. They contribute. The morphic field of therapists, wide open to helping people grow, is a field that I contribute to and I'm nourished by. I'm not by myself there, and my clients not by themselves, and, and the couples aren't by themselves. So that that sense of radical connectedness and energetically leaning towards the beautiful, good, and true. And and all the data that supports it really helps organize and guide us as psychotherapists. Yes. 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 I mean, it's
1: it's one of the things that Sheldrake uh, emphasized is the the, uh, materialist attitude that the universe is meaningless. Yeah. But this is the the opposite of that. It's like everything you're doing for you and your client is for you and your client, your client primarily, but it's also for the whole system you know and for all of humanity and And for future humanity for next humanity
0: and it's in it there's a you know i i'm dedicated to supporting the evolution of consciousness that's kind of an organizing principle but it's kind of a mystery to me why i am why (laughs) good question good why is that a sacred thing i don't know it is i know i have faith in it i have utter faith that Supporting the evolution of consciousness is a beautiful good and true thing that it's a it that it, it's a guide of my life purpose that makes perfect sense on every level to me, but it's there, there's no rational reason why that's it's kind of a mystery. It is why that's such a great thing. Yes, that's, that's us listening, you know, resonating with an attractor state that we don't quite understand I right. think right, but but we know it's great. Yes, you know? so we're yearning for it. Yes. And worse. You know, when, I, when i do my meditations you know when i get to the ninth chakra there's a couple of like figures that show up you know christian avaloka jeshwara and i play with them um you know they came up in meditations and on the far side of them i say well what where is your connection to the infinite and they go we can't really explain that to you keith well, what we can say is the closer we get to you the more attached we are to physical reality <laughs> you know, the more we enjoy sex and food, you know, and, and nature and play, we really like that. Okay. And I go, sure, you can do it through me anytime that you want. And I can feel them taking pleasure in, you know, sex and food and swimming and, and nature and healing and stuff. But then there's this other side of them that's connected to some mystery that, that they understand and they guide me from. But it's they basically let me know your consciousness cannot comprehend this but you can be influenced by it. And, you know, we're a bridge for you. And you, why are we a bridge for you? Well, it's not because our names were originally Krishna and Avalokiteshwar. I don't know where they came from. But, you know, those are names I gave them. Because they're fields, they're energy that I'm resonating with. And the only way that I can understand them is then when they take form as some kind of individual consciousness. Beyond that, I'm sure they lose that. But it's, they're real. You know, they're, they're not, like, I'm not making them up. Um, or right. if I am... My relationship with them is like my relationship with you at this
1: uh, point. yeah. Well, hallelujah. Hallelujah. That's, that's beautifully said and transmitted, you know. And it's just a, a wonderful example of how moving from materialism does not mean going back to great mythic, you know, religions and, and doctrines right. and dogmas. It's about the felt experience mm-hmm. of you know, opening to the enchantment of the world, you know. You
0: know, Joseph Campbell said that. He said, if you take all the myths as metaphors, in other words, people felt spirit and they felt the archetype. They felt them and they knew they were real. And so what they did is they projected themselves into them. And then... What they saw was what they projected, and, and it created a form of giants and, and, and the, the hero's journey and the, mm-hmm. the monsters. And the, Okay, if you understand that those are metaphors for real phenomena that we can't understand except through metaphor, but but that we can feel and that yeah. we use for, if you accept that, then the, myth guide, the myths guide us. Yes. And Jung yes. kind of did the same thing. Yes.
1: Yeah, yeah. And, and, and instead of explaining them away as a delusion evolutionarily potent because it helped us to form larger group bonds yeah right jesus christ no that's true
0: but i mean it's true of course but it's
1: it's it's you know half the story at best
0: well if you if you look back probably at your education you know you and i had great educations i mean i think i mean the the i had a lot of young uh teachers i had a lot of new schools it was back at a time when um, there were a lot of skills that you had to learn, critical analysis, um, science, uh, grammar, all that kind of stuff. I look back at, at, at all of those experiences. The thing that bothered me about it is at, at the time, and, and I look back and I, I see why when I was a teenager, I rebelled against it and went crazy. It was a field of, of scientific materialism. You know, my father was a biology teacher. I mean. It was like, there's no spirit, Keith. If you, all this stuff, there's no spirit. There's fiction. It was kind of like dual materialism. There's fiction, and then there's reality. And so if you're going to read a book like uh, anything, you know, like Dune, that's just fiction. That's not reflecting anything that's happening here. And I went, God damn it. It just doesn't feel right. It doesn't make any sense whatsoever to me. And what martial arts did for me is gave me a way, th- a, an opening where I could get through that into something else, because martial arts said all that stuff is bullshit. You can have superpowers, and you know. And then I, I trained with people who had superpowers. I went, yeah. Okay.
1: And it was obvious. It was in the right hand quadrants. It was actually happening in I material see, form.
0: I can see those superpowers, and they're teachable. Yeah. Okay. And so uh, what do you do? Well, you got to meditate before you work out. Okay you got to do all these things endlessly. Okay. You got to have a certain consciousness. Okay. You know, you got to have radical openness to new stuff. Okay. Well, when I started doing psychotherapy and studying those things kind of led me into, okay, these things are missing from my, from the, my classes and from the books, but I can see them there. And then that guided me to other stuff. Um, And I think one great thing about this age is that there's less of a jump for that. You know yeah. people can listen to you and me talk or read other books and so on or we can talk sam harris hopefully maybe you know read the book and let's have the three of us yeah
1: and- i think we yeah. we should actually read it and and talk about it but um
0: yeah i'll do that yeah that's okay. a deal it. Okay. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah well i was just going to say it's interesting to hear your trajectory through because um anytime i hear somebody's story through basically some version of losing your religion, at least in the way that we were taught it. And you yeah. go into martial arts. I just went into hardcore atheism, you know, you so I was, I was out there, you know, pounding the pavement for atheists. Uh, but, and I do think that, you know, where we can place materialism is, you know, first of all, or again, to, to repeat, what great fruits it brought to us in terms oh, of yeah. the material world. But also, that there is a, um, that, that it's basically the collective uh, experience of losing our religion that probably humanity had to go through and yeah. still has to go through in, in many ways. That you know, just lets us be friendlier to the process instead of having the idea that just shouldn't be happening, you know.
0: You know, developmentally, if you watch an infant grow, when the infant stops starts to, to, to stops crawling and starts to stand, or when the infant starts to talk, um, there's a disorganization of their previous way of being. But they haven't reorganized to another one yet. And when that happens, the kid's irritable. They're kind of pissed off. <laughs> kind of I see where you're going here. <laughs> <laughs> They're uncomfortable. They haven't. The, the other way isn't working. This is Tom, Thomas Kuhn, you know, the, the structure of scientific revolutions. They're not comfortable yet, but they're reaching for that, 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 that paradigm that fits better. Right. Walking fits better. Talking fits better. Theory yeah. of mind fits better. You know, like concrete co- operational so on. And I, I think we're in a – and, you know, maybe the, what, that's the whole thing about 10%. Maybe when ten percent of the population is integral, maybe there's a field that's robust enough that it starts really sucking in exit green people. Yeah, I think it's I think it's
1: real close in you know at the leading edge at least. Mm -hmm. I think Obama and Pete are my two examples. I'm going to hold on to uh, Mm -hmm. and and you know and just where I see it all over the place. I mean, they haven't heard of integral, but they are tired of the same old left-right arguments and, you know, the, the polarity that
0: exists. So, well, I'm very struck by how good people are when I talk to them. Independent yes, of absolutely. People. And, I, and I, when I see, when I balance that against my reflective anger at uh, 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 the conservative, ag- the super conservative agenda, I go, there, you know, there's me objectifying. There I'm just doing it. I I feel generic anger. I'm not dealing with them as human beings. <laughs> as human beings. I, and and it's it's fascinating to see it arise in me that yeah, you know me that too. anger and that that red thing I want to. Me too. And I, and you know I I do know they need external constraint, but I also know that it has to be compassionate and and democratic. Yeah. Um, I just like in psychotherapy, you know, I'll be working with and it, I see it most in couples. Couples are really cruel to each other when they get into their stuff. I mean, they're cruel, Jeff. They say really mean things. Oh. I mean, you know, they, you know, they just, you know, they they're they're just being nasty to each other. They're trying not to be and they are, okay? And it's not because they're cruel mean sadistic people. Those people hardly ever make it in my office and they don't stay in- Therapy, right? <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's like. You know, you're Why would people, I be here? <laughs> if you're a real psychopath, what is right. your motivation? Come see Keith unless it's court. It's court ordered, and right. I don't pick anybody who's court ordered. Yeah, okay? fair enough. Okay, and so they're caught up in that, not wanting to do it, and just and so as I see that, and I see that the inside they're doing that, basically trying to be loved by being cruel. Cool. I know. So that's. That's just all of us, and, you know? And so I, I have the, the great thing about being a therapist is I have the contract. You cannot do that. You cannot. you have to stop being cruel. And now you have, now you have to understand there's a deeper message that you're trying to give. That's not a cruel message. It's a, it's a request for love that is being couched in a, in a, in a, in a, in, a, in a, an attack, sometimes a vile attack. Yeah. And now the, you need to apologize for that vile attack, but look, Let's go for with the request for love. Let's see if that can create something. Yeah. And quite often it can. Yeah. And then it happens. It's there. There's this little new state, little, you know, delicate, little morphic field. It lasts maybe a minute or two. And then somebody says something and bam, they go back to the old attractor state, back to cruelty. And a lot of therapy is like catching that with, in, with couples anyway, catching that and then making the adjustment, making the yeah. adjustment, teaching yeah. Because Within
1: otherwise, the, you're going to be feeding the cruel uh, morphic field. Exactly. And, and, the, and, and we could see that. It's just basic common sense. You say things that you can't take back. The other person heard them. I mean, there you are for the rest there of your you. life. You've said that.
0: Most of the main injuries that happen with couples are said two or three minutes into the argument when people are distorted. It's rarely the first couple of things. Interesting. Now, with individuals, they'll go into the I'm worthless, you know, death looks good. Um, I well, that's, that's, it's, it's, it's one, one of the
1: sort of collateral damage of materialism. Materialism, again, that's exactly is that right. you know, the, there's no God, I'm an accident of evolution, I'm hurtling through space on a rock, none of it means anything.
0: Jesus Christ, I want to kill myself.
1: <laughs> you, know? you know,
0: one of the things reason we all like the Enneagram, the Enneagram is based on the, the idea that there's nine flavors of connection to God. That we've been blocked from, and that we put our personality in there to try to fill up those holes, rather than reach through our personality to connect with God. And and why is the Enneagram so popular compared to all the other personality types? None of the other personality typology systems organizes itself around disconnection with God from God. Yeah, the spiritual dimension. That's the foundation of the Enneagram. You know, I'm an Enneatype six. Holy faith and holy strength are the connections to God that I've been looking for my entire life. And the more that I have my connections to holy faith and holy strength, the more everything makes sense and the less Keith's personality makes decisions and the more God makes yep. decisions through Keith. Just like it's holy truth for an eight and it's, it's holy omniscience um, for a five. That's me. That's huge, yeah. <laughs> holy omniscience. I want to be
1: holy omniscient. <laughs> <laughs> but no the enneagram is just uh you know magical it, well and it, there's it has fields, spiritual potency for sure
0: and there's fields associated not just with our type but with the highest functioning of our type connected to god yeah okay so once we have, st- we have a few touches with that field we can reach to that field that's that creates an attractor state Remember, when, when we, find, when we can, can surrender to an attractor state, our unconscious, our adaptive unconscious, our shadow self is now organized to find a way there. If we can't find one way, we'll find another way. If this therapist doesn't work, I'll try this practice. If this intuitive practice doesn't work, I'll try this. Because I I've, I've felt there, there, I'm feeling for it. and And if I'm organized that way, I can direct my... The, We're the only people that can do this. I can direct, you know, humans. We can direct our consciousness towards it, and the closer we get, the more connected we are with that field, and the more that field is supporting us on our journey.
1: Yeah. Ah. Wow. That's beautiful testimonial. And again, you know, with this Rupert Sheldrake, I feel like I've stumbled onto a vein of gold. Yeah, me too. Yeah, I'm going to keep up with him and uh, check out a couple more of his books and. I encourage all our listeners to do the same and let us yeah. know what you think. Watch his TED Talk. Yeah, you watch know, his TED Talk. Oh, that's an interesting
0: cultural phenomena. And he's got that English Don thing, you know, yeah. that wry sense of humor, yeah, that erudite um, accent, you know, the impeccable uh, references and in intelligence. Yes. You know, yes. like you, you look at that. There's just something so persuasive <clears throat> about that whole delivery. Yeah. Like. God, you know, like he could say almost anything, and I would find it credible. You yeah. know, and he was barefoot. That's Is that right?
1: Thing. Interesting.
0: Well, you he know, was was a, he, he went to the
1: ashram in India as a young man, and he's got a whole spiritual path and practice. But the, the TED Talk, it, it's worth mentioning. It was, I think, 2013. I remember commenting on it at the time, but I had sort of forgotten about it. But he did a TED Talk on science set free. Which yeah. is science set free from materialism, yeah. and it provoked the ire of some materialists, and they TED uh, banned it, took it off the site. <laughs> right, it was like Ted a Bandit. very controversial thing, and then there was all this blowback, and then they put it back. and There's this whole you could check it out. Uh, uh, Rupert Sheldrake's banned TED talk,
0: and, and, and you Sheldra- can link
1: to all kinds of things. It was very fascinating, just as a cultural phenomenon. Sheldrake
0: called the head of Ted, right, I forget the guy's name, and talked to him, and the guy was just embarrassed. You know, he would talk to Sheldrake, he was so embarrassed, you know, he yeah. put it back on, and he just tried to make it all disappear. Because he realized he was part of one of these stories where you don't want to be that part of the story. Right. Where he was being the
1: dick Banning. The story. Yeah. yeah. Banning you know. the Harvard-Cambridge, you know, biologist.
0: Because a couple of of scientism enthusiasts yeah. gave him a hard time, and he banned him without getting him, you know, without listening to him. It was like you could just feel his chagrin.
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah he says, "Let's
0: make it all give away. You know, you're not banned anymore. But sorry, the story now exists. It's yeah. too good a story. I know. Uh, you and me, are, we're telling the story, Jeff.
1: Exactly. You know, it's <laughs> the funny, the funny, the way we stumble our way forward. That's true. That's all right." Well, well. Anything else we need to put on the
0: table here, Keith? No, I think you know that's that was the part of it. You know that that's that's the part of it that, that expanded my consciousness of this unexpectedly. Mm-hmm. And and I guess that's my old scientific materialism in me. Yes, me that too. Needed it, that hadn't stretched as far as it could stretch, and got stretched farther yes, by this. Exactly.
1: Okay, folks. Well, I hope your consciousness was stretched by this conversation. And check out Rupert Sheldrake. Check out drkeithwitt.com and uh, my stuff's at thedailyevolver.com. See you next time.